This is a Q Media production. Leading and navigating change across a business can be overwhelming. So many leaders are handed a project by their board or CEO, and suddenly they're expected to create the vision, inspire their team, navigate roadblocks, and make some really hard decisions. It can feel like you're swimming in the ocean at night, not knowing which way to go. So how is a leader supposed to know how to drive change? The challenge is, there's no course or dummy's guide to leading change until now. This is your crash course in leading change, and I'm your guide, Lauren Ryder. In this podcast, you'll learn from top C-suite and executive leaders who've driven impactful change across their organizations. No matter what project you're leading, maybe it's a sales transformation or a restructure or a digital transformation, either way, the approach to leading change is the same. It all starts with an inspirational leader, and that's you. Welcome back to the Leading Change Podcast. Hope you've been enjoying all the interview episodes. In the meantime, I've been getting lots of questions online. And so we thought we'd uh, run a Q&A session where we can answer all of your burning questions. So let's get into it. The first question we have is, Lauren, you've talked before about visionary leaders and how they share inspirational stories. But can a leader be too enthusiastic. Absolutely. So, you know, I think I I always say that when leaders get in front of a crowd, they should be excited and visionary and share the story to get people excited. But, you know, I think the challenge is when it's too much, they can actually lose a bit of trust and credibility. So I think if you're a leader and you're looking to share a change, I think there is a real need to be very authentic in the way that you share the change. So it has to really come from the heart. Um, It can't just be visionary statements and and, and really out there. It actually has to be real and realistic. And I think a lot of it has to come back to letting people know that you understand them and the shoes that they walk in. So we always talk about communicating that what's in it for me. So we can talk about where we're going and this big vision of the future for an organization or, or for your team, But it has to be tempered with, and we understand exactly that this team is going to have to do this differently, and this team will have to do this differently. And and we understand the impact, and that change isn't going to be easy. So I think that's really important that when you're communicating change. But I think the real big question here is, you really need to take a good look in the mirror and ask yourself, who am I as a leader, right? Do they already trust me? I think a lot of it is, you know, what are the things that you're doing to build their trust? Do they come to you with challenges? Do they come to you with issues? Have you opened that door to let that feedback in? And if you have, and no one's come to you with any concerns, you might need to think about your approach, because it might be that people feel like they can't speak to you and bring that feedback back. So, Absolutely. When you're communicating, communicate big, communicate loud, communicate with conviction, but also be authentic and realistic about it. All righty. The next question that's come in is, what are some of the key principles or strategies that change leaders should use to guide their business through transitions? All right. So if you're leading a change, the most important thing is that you bring everyone along the journey. 
And I think that the best way to do this is through what we call human-centered design. So this means that when you are designing your change program, rather than doing it top down or in a room just by yourselves without any feedback from any external stakeholders, the idea is that we bring stakeholders from all over within the business, so your employees, your team members, other team members from other teams to map their journey and to understand where their concerns are. But also you want your customers involved in that so you understand how these changes might impact them. So taking a real people-centered view and taking everyone's feedback into account will definitely is definitely the number one thing that you can do, the, the first tactic that you should do. It can take a lot longer than what you expected and, and that's just something we have to understand to make that design. It takes time, but the consultation up front is absolutely worth it. I think the second strategy to use that's really valuable is what I like to call intense listening. When people go through change, they will give you feedback, but you have to be able to open the door and give them channels to provide that feedback to you. And sometimes they're not going to come through the doors that you expected them to. For example, we were running a big project with an organization and in every single meeting, an online meeting where we would present changes, people were really excited. They were sending heart emojis and clapping emojis. It was all really exciting and fantastic. Um, but it got to the point where suddenly there was silence. And what we were listening for was enthusiasm, but we didn't get that. So the feedback came in a really interesting way. Rather than people being loud, they were actually weren't feedback at all. And that's when we decided to go back and ask the organization for that feedback. And so I call that really intensive listening. And you have to go through different channels. You go through their leaders, you go through their peers, and you really start to gather that information and then take that feedback and actually put that in place and then show them that you've put that in place. And that is how you can build trust within the organization. If somebody complains and you let it fester, it's only going to get bigger. And I think the third strategy is about repeat, repeat, repeat. So as a change leader, you are singing from this hymn book and everybody from the project is singing the same thing, but you've got a lot of stakeholders to speak to and you need to have the same story over and over and over again, but you have to keep going with it. We can't A, change the story, but B, you... A lot of people don't hear messages until they heard it three, four, five, six, seven times. And so you are actually going to end up being exhausted hearing yourself speak over and over again about this same message, but that's the only way it's going to get through. So it's really sort of that courage of your conviction, continuing to repeat the story, um, and you know, that will get you through the chain. Leading transformational change can be challenging without a community of like-minded professionals where you can learn and practice the real skills of transformation. I am excited to share that Jez Tile has just launched an incredible online global community of transformation professionals. And let me tell you, it is a game changer. It's called People of Transformation, and it's a deep dive beyond the theories, beyond the frameworks, and straight into actionable excellence. It will allow you to shift from problem seeking to opportunity creation, and eventually future shaping. So if you're ready to lead the charge, head to peopleoftransformation.com 
and use the code LEADINGCHANGE at checkout for your special offer. Founding member spots are limited, so don't miss out on this incredible opportunity. All right, so the next question is, how important is it to have good culture during change? So if we think about what happens to a business during times of change, we're basically pulling the rug out from underneath you and it becomes really, really rocky. There's a whole period of instability that your team or your business is going to go through as you go through change. So it's really important that before we even head into the change, that we make sure we have a really clear, steady level playing field from where we're starting from. And I think the best way to do this is to come in and really take a pulse check and understand up front how the team is feeling, um, what, how, you know, what, what sort of their thoughts are about what's coming up. Really take that, engage that, and understand their behaviors and, and sort of how they are responding to things. Just keep your eye on that. Note that down. Understand where we are today. Because that, if, we, if that's a great place to start from, let's just assume you have a great culture to begin with, then as you go through change and things become less rocky, at least we have a marker that we can come back to and we understand exactly where we are and where we need to get back to. There is a challenge, however, when we approach a project and the culture isn't great. So I've come into companies where they were about to go through transformation, but the reason they had to go through transformation was because they weren't performing before. And so that leads to some really challenging cultural issues. And, and, you know, you can see it in all sorts of areas of the business, whether it's performance or whether it's, you know, how people interact with one another within meetings or even just, you know, when they bump into each other in the kitchen. You, you can see it, you can feel it, you can sense it. So my guidance would be that take that sense check on the culture before you dive into transformation. And if there are challenges in that, then make sure that part of your change plan includes upfront work on culture. So whether that looks like maybe redefining your vision, mission, and values, but with your organization, doing it together and getting them on board, or whether it's looking like implementing some culture change projects where, you know, maybe get them together to do different activities. Whatever it is, you know your business best, but it really is important that before we go on that journey, we really are operating as a really close unit. Next question. Change initiatives can sometimes face unexpected obstacles. How can leaders be prepared to handle these challenges and pivot their approach if necessary? Oh, I don't think I have been on a project where everything went perfectly. Something has always cropped up. Generally, it's to the form of budget being cut halfway through, um, which impacts then the scope or maybe the timeframes have to be shifted. So Either way, there is generally something that's gone wrong. Um, we've had a project where halfway through there was a massive organizational restructure and half of the stakeholders went missing overnight. These things happen, right? And, you know, I think that there's a few things that we can do to address that from a change leadership perspective. So obviously from a project planning perspective, we just have to know how to plan and how to replan. But when we're looking at it from a change perspective, what we're looking at is the impact onto our people and how we can support our people through these pivots. So I think, you know, from a change perspective, the first thing I recommend is actually not to do too much planning up front. One of the things that we a lot of change managers do is they come in and they create these massive like 40 page change documents. And I can assure you, 
nobody reads them. One of the really cool concepts that's come up over the last few years is lean change or agile change, kind of taking some of those thoughts around agile project management and lean project management and putting it into the change world. So, you know, rather than writing a massive stakeholder engagement document and then trying to share it with people, you might get all of the project people in a room, have a quick session where you've got post-it notes of people and, and all the stakeholders, right? All of that happens in a really quick, concise, easy way that everyone's on board. And it doesn't feel like people have spent hours and hours working on it in their own time. The same thing goes with the full change planning. I really believe that we can do some really light touch planning all the way through, start rolling it out, testing it, making sure it works. If it does, great, we go ahead with it. If it doesn't, we regroup and we actually try something else. And it just means that we haven't spent a lot of time deep planning for something that may or may not happen. I think when we're also planning for these projects, we have to do some risk management. So we always do that in projects, we do that in operations, but we also need to do that from a change perspective. So when we're looking at risks, what are the people risks that could come up? You know, what happens if one of our stakeholders ups and leaves and, and they were helping to drive the project or, you know, something happens with our team members? We have to make sure that all of our risks around change, around adoption, around all of the people and those impacts are addressed so that if these things do crop up, then we can address them on time and just right away. And I believe the final thing is this really is about having a positive mindset because things do crop up. And in times of change, I mean, if you are running a program and you think it's all going to go one way and then it clicks and it goes a completely different way, rather than dwelling on it and being negative, you've just got to have a positive mindset, understand we're going to get through this, we're, it'll be fine, and then we go ahead and get on with it. As businesses grow, enterprise change teams are expected to deliver more. But it can be challenging to keep all your company's change planning aligned. Documents get lost or out of date, and executives can't get a clear report on your enterprise change activities. Until now. Change Plan is the incredible connected platform that gives you a powerful, easy-to-use workspace. You'll get all your reporting at a click, an automated front door process, an org chart synced in with your HR system, and the best part is portfolio dashboards for leaders. It is the most comprehensive and user-friendly change tool I have seen on the market. And the results speak for themselves. Teams who use Change Plan experience a 30% bump in productivity and up to 50% reduction in change saturation. If you want to see Change Plan in action, head over to changeplan.co slash leading change to set up an obligation-free demo for your team. Next question. Oh, this is a very interesting question. Change often meets resistance from employees. How do you spot resistance and then mitigate the issues? So I'll put it out there that I don't actually like the word resistance because resistance implies that the problem is with your employees or your stakeholders and not the fact that you didn't communicate well to them. If people are going to come on the journey with you, you need to engage them really early, understand exactly what they want, what they don't want, and take them on that journey with you. It's when you don't do that is when you see 
resistance, people pushing back. But it's not their fault. They just weren't taken on that journey with you. So let's just assume we do have some. So how do we actually spot it? It can be challenging. I mean, sometimes we have really overt resistance. It's really clear. You know, people are in meetings saying, I don't like this. I don't want to go ahead. It's not working for me. It's not going to work for my team. I mean, that's fabulous because it just means you can address it right there on the spot and you can work through it with their teams. That's the kind of resistance you want. But the challenge is when it comes in covert fashion. So, you know, when people start having those water cooler conversations or, or to, you know, talking behind your back or, you know, making rumors in the background, those types of resistance can be a lot harder to spot. So it really is around this concept that I talk about around intense listening, always keeping your ear to the ground, but also when you communicate, every single time you communicate with someone in your business, it has to be a two-way conversation. So even if the message you have to send, you have an all-hands meeting and it has to be online because your team is all over the country or even all over the world, you still have to have forms of feedback that come into the project, whether it's a chat or whether there's other ways that we can actually provide feedback. Every single time that we communicate, we have to be able to be open for feedback and be able to take that on. And some people are introverts and some people are extroverts and some people don't want to ask those questions in big audiences. So you have to know your people and be able to get in there and actually take that feedback. Another really useful tool to deal with this is around pulse surveys. So as I said, not everyone wants to speak up in a forum. And so what you can do is create a quick survey. You can do it through Typeform or SurveyMonkey. There's really easy ways to do it. And they, they actually look really good. And people can do them on their mobile, on the way to work in the morning. Really easy ways to engage. Just a few quick questions. Taking a temperature check of, you know, how are we going? How's it impacting your team? What are your feedback? You know, and, and you, you have the questions customized every time for what stage you are in the project. You don't just send the same survey out every time. And you can also use it to understand exactly what they want to see next. And, and we've used it in times to say, okay, well, hang on, this team didn't like, you know, this type of face-to-face -face training because it was taking up too much of their time. Let's ask them, what, what's their favorite type of training, right? Do we want micro-learning where we can have a quick lunch session or do they really want to take two days off-site? Right? So it's really important to get that kind of feedback. But the other tip that I'll give is that when you do come across resistance and you do understand that it's there, you have got to fix it immediately. It's about getting on top of it. It's about responding right away, letting them know that you heard them. And if you can do something about it right away, do it. But if not, just put it in the plan and let them know what you will be doing about it. That's how you build trust within your team and across the entire organization. But I will challenge you to say, just don't let it get there in the first place. If you design a really, really watertight change program where you are engaging, where you know your stakeholders, you know your team members, you use your leaders to help roll out the change and to bring back the feedback, you'll hopefully minimize that resistance. Okay, next question. Ooh. When you're doing a stakeholder impact assessment, what happens when you miss a stakeholder? That's a really interesting question because, you know, we can come across um, the time where you get to the end of a project and, you know, you're about to go live and suddenly you realize, 
oh my gosh, we miss so-and-so and they start kicking up a fuss because they weren't engaged. It can be a real problem and it can really impact the project. One way you can address this, and, and I suppose it's, you know, what is the impact of missing a stakeholder is really the question, is you can use an impact and influence matrix. Um, you can just Google it. They're everywhere. Um, and what you do is you take your stakeholders and you put them on a map and you understand exactly where they sit in the organization. So, you know, I suppose when you look at it, you can kind of say, okay, who's more important to communicate with more often and, you know, what kind of information do they need to, to receive on a regular basis? So that's really useful information when you're actually planning your stakeholder engagement. The other thing that you can do, which is what I mentioned before, doing a really quick stakeholder analysis, but with your entire project team. So when you decide to do your stakeholder impact, you sit everyone up in a room, you give them post-its, you map out the organization in different columns and you say, okay, everybody, put your stakeholders on a post-it, I'll give you five minutes, and you put them up on the board. And then you pull back and you go through all the names and then suddenly this magic happens. And people go, oh, I forgot about so-and-so and oh, actually, what about them? And a whole conversation starts about who stakeholders are. And that's the way to do it is to actually bring everybody on the stakeholder mapping journey because if you rely on one or two people in the project team to actually map out all the names of the stakeholders, you are guaranteed to miss some of them. So bringing everyone together to actually get those names there and then figuring out how to engage them, it'll definitely make sure you don't miss anybody. So that brings us to the end of our first Q&A. Thank you so much for listening. I would love to do this again. So if you have any questions about change, about leadership, about anything transformation related, feel free to pop them in the comments of whatever platform you're listening to this on. See you next time.